Hello, everybody. Welcome to Telly Talks, where we talk about life, growth, relationships, and everything in between. Today, we have veterinarian and author of World Wild Vet, Dr. Evan Anton. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Telly. Thanks for coming. And we also have my co-host, OGZ Too Funny. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. We're out here today, ready to get it going. So for the people that don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a veterinarian, so I work with small animals and, and exotics at a hospital in Thousand Oaks called Conejo Valley Vet Hospital. And then I love working with wildlife, and we've seen a bit of wildlife there over the years as well, but I also love to travel and just give back to wildlife. When I travel, it's not really paid work, it's just volunteering my, my, my time and expertise to help our wildlife around the world. Um, and for me, it's just something I'm passionate about. I love giving back to animals. I love just getting to engage with some of my favorite species around the world. And uh, it's a way to f you know, feel like I can, you know, I, I appreciate them so much so I can get back to them in that way. And um, that's, that's my main MO. And then I do other projects. I've done TV shows and other things. And my most recent project I'm very excited about is what you mentioned, World Wild Vet, my book, first yes. book. So pumped about that. And that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> so let's talk about this book. Um, how long did it take you to write it? I mean, we start, I started, in uh, early 2018. And so was just basically just getting these stories down. And, you know, because I'm not a writer by profession, I had a ghostwriter like everybody does, right? right and exactly. so, yeah, we would spend so much time going through these stories and editing and re-editing and putting this whole thing together. But yeah, it was like, it was like over two year process altogether wow. getting the whole thing. And, and before we could really feel good about getting it to the printers and publishers to start making copies. Wow. And are you in Amazon? In oh, uh, Noble? Yes. I don't know if you meant like the Amazon. I was like, I do have a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, no, I am in, uh, yeah, Barnes & Noble actually has a special edition of the books. So there's a couple extra bonus chapters in there. Oh, nice. Some extra, extra yeah. stuff. But uh, yeah, Amazon, uh, audiobooks, like all those major places, you can That's find it pretty amazing. easily. Yeah. I can't wait. I cannot wait to read it. I'm so excited. Oh, I know awesome. you just went to Africa. I How did. How was that? It was amazing. I mean, so I went back to South Africa. I've been there um, probably six or seven times in the last few years. And uh, one of the big things I do when I go there is I help out an organization called Rhino 911. And they are an anti-poaching organization. They also rescue baby orphan rhinos and do everything they can to really keep our rhino populations alive. Because, you know, these days and really for the last like 12, 13 years, especially in South Africa, there's been a poaching epidemic. And these rhino are killed for their horns. And uh, the horn is the most expensive commodity on the black market. Uh, sorry, second most, uh, second to illegal diamonds. But pound for pound, it's, it's a high price item. There's really complex criminal syndicates behind the poaching, and it's a huge problem. And without really intensive security and conservation efforts, uh, like what we do, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're going to lose our rhino. And we're still losing them, even with these efforts. And they're extinct, efforts. right? Rhino. Uh, no, they're, the rhino, they're, they're, they're going... extant. They're, they're, we still have rhino species alive and in the wild. So in, in, in South Africa, we see the southern uh, white rhino and then the, the black rhino. Um, and there are a couple of species in Asia and there's only a few dozen of them in the wild. Wow. I mean, there's the Javan and, and, and the Indian rhino and there's only really just a 60 or so left of each of those species at best. And uh, so yeah, in South Africa, what we were doing, we were doing horn trims. And so these days, unfortunately, the reality of the situation is we have to trim their horns to make them less vulnerable to poachers. Without their horns, wow. they're not worthwhile for a poacher to, to risk their life, uh, risk being caught by anti-poaching dogs or anti-poaching units, or risk their life 
um, you know, with the other wildlife there. You know, you have to remember there are lions and hyenas and mega carnivores and hippos and dangerous animals that, that you know, could kill them as well. And so that helps tremendously. And, you know, it's, it's too bad we have to do it, but that's what we do. And it's, we've seen a huge difference. Like one of, the, one of the bigger parks in South Africa, Pilonsburg National Park, at 350 Rhino, poaching was bad last year. We, our, the t I wasn't with them for this, this work, but over nine days they trimmed all those rhino. And wow. their poaching went from probably 12 or so a month, give or take, maybe more, to, uh, to about uh, two or three in the entire last year. Oh, wow. wow. So it makes, it makes a huge difference. Huge yeah, difference. no, it's, it really does help. And then we'll rescue orphans. We'll do all that work as well. And we, we work with uh, orphanages where we bring orphan rhino. So when, when a mom gets poached, many times the babies are killed because they're, uh, they're so. impeding on the poachers doing what they came to do, which is cut a horn off a rhino. And so it's a real tragic thing. But uh, some of these babies, they live and they've got, you know, wounds from machete scars, stuff like that. And we've got to find them because if they don't have their mom and they're out in the wild on their own, uh, they're doomed. I mean, they'll starve or they'll be eaten or a combination That's of things. So and why do people like poach them for like for their horns? But what do they it's, use the horns for? So the horns are going to uh, Southeast Asia, primarily Vietnam, China, uh, Laos and some other Southeast Asian countries. And they're used for I mean, they're used for really there's two different categories one is traditional chinese medicine and so it's not it's not really in all truly ancient traditional chinese medicine to use rhino horn but a lot of modern people claim that it is part of traditional chinese traditional medicine and they'll use it to cure uh, lots of things and it does not cure at all it won't help at all because it's just really keratin for the most part oh. it's not medicine but they'll use it for impotence they'll use it to cure their if they have a fever or cold uh, the Vietnamese Prime Minister a few years ago said it helped cure his cancer, and th oh. there's no way if, if he if he you know lived through his cancer, wow. rhino horn didn't do a damn thing for that. Um, wow. So that's becoming less and less popular now, it, more than ever over the last couple of years. It's about the status symbol, and it's about showing I'm so wealthy that I've got a rhino horn cup or a bracelet or jewelry or earrings or a dish or a horn itself or a plate or whatever. And uh, a lot of big business, they'll use this. They'll, they'll, if they have a big business meeting and they want to work with the whatever, they'll say, hey, we want to have you come in. They give them a beautiful rhino horn ornament. And uh, it's become just wow. like all about the money. And, wow. uh, and, and just, you know, they're, you know, at different cultures everywhere around the world are materialistic. And right. I, we're all, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, that's just being a human for a lot of cultures. And, and it's, it's big in that culture. And unfortunately, it's done so in a way that it's not sustainable. And uh, it's not, not nice for our wildlife, you know? And, and the rhinos are able to live with their horns? Yeah, they actually do quite well. So the rhino, it's a huge animal. I mean, their skin is so damn thick. They're such tanks, I they're extremely strong. Yeah, so like, I mean the like horn- Like thicker than an elephant's skin? I mean, it's like, it's, it's getting to that level. You know, wow. I don't know if it's quite oh. thicker. Certain parts of an elephant are probably a little thicker than a rhino, but I mean, really the back, the, uh, like the thigh and the chest and shoulder plates on these rhino, it's thick, man. Especially if you look at some of those, like the Indian rhino, I mean, they look like plated dinosaurs, plated, like yeah, a tris, uh, the, uh, the, plated. Like I feel like that's the closest thing, thing yeah. to a dinosaur that we have is a rhino. What do you think? I mean, there's, there's many animals that really are prehistoric. I mean, crocodilians, you know, some crocodile species have been around unchanged evolutionarily for 200,000, uh, sorry, 200 million years. That's crazy. And so it's a modern day dinosaur, the horseshoe crab. I mean, tons of small invertebrates, tons of uh, other crab. smaller animals, big animals. Yeah, there's some that are, They've survived mass extinctions. And the rhino is not, our modern day rhino is not quite as old as some of these other animals I mentioned, but yeah, they have, you know, uh, really, you know, long living relatives uh, from hundreds of millions of years ago. And uh, anyways, 
they do well without their horn. And so we're seeing, actually, in some places, we see increased uh, reproductive rates oh, wow. without the horn. Because, I mean, the horn is used uh, in, in nature, and so they'll use it to dig around, to try to dig up, to dig some earth around to get some water or move vegetation, especially the black rhino, which I know you like. They're more uh, foragers. And so mm -hmm. they, the, the white rhinos are grazer eating mostly grasses and, and hay and stuff. These foraging black rhino, they eat the twigs and the bushes and the, the okay. leaves and other things. And so that horn's really helpful getting through thicker vegetation. And then, of course, the males, uh, they use their horn to fight. And rhinos in general, they'll fight uh, pretty violently. And, and it's not uncommon to be to the death. And if that horn penetrates their thorax, like their chest, or their abdomen, um, a lot of those guys don't make it, you know, within a few days they go septic and get really sick. And so wow. I'm not saying that we, we should be trimming horns just to help right. males not kill each other. Right. I want, you know, us to keep things as natural as we can. But unfortunately, this is something we have to do to just, I mean, a, you know, a rhino without horns is better than a dead rhino. And if they yeah. can still live and thrive and reproduce and, and uh, you know, contribute to the population and be healthy and happy, then, you know, it's a small price to pay in my, in my opinion. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing that you go out there and do that and help these animals. You it's know, very we know, rewarding. We know a lot more people like you out here in this world. Oh, no, yeah. thank you very much. I mean, I, I, I do it for selfish reasons, too. I love it. I mean, just getting to interact with these rhino and work with them. And they're such a big, majestic, unbelievable animal. How is that interaction animal. with the rhinos? Like my first time, my first visit, um, man, when we went to the orphanage, especially these young sub-adult rhino, they're so sensitive. Like, they're so sweet and gentle, and these are animals that have seen the worst of mankind. They've seen right. their mom get hacked to death right in front of their eyes. They're more so scared than anything. Yeah, anything. they're scared, they're timid, but they're like, once they get kind of comfortable with, with people, they have caretakers there, then you know, they'll, they'll bottle feed them when they have to and that kind of thing, because they don't have their moms, they need somebody, somebody's gotta step in and do that if we wanna you know, grow these guys up and get them healthy and potentially Absolutely. one day back in the wild. Um, I mean, some of them are so, you know, really just not even timid. They get just comfortable with people and they love belly rubs. I mean, so oh, it's really? kind of like, I don't know if you guys have seen this with pigs. Um, pigs, like pot belly pigs, they love to have their belly rub kind of at their caudal abdomen, like the back of their abdomen, kind of where their thigh meets their belly. Uh -huh. If you rub a pig there, they almost just like get paralyzed and roll over on their side. It's freaking cute. <laughs> they have a mini orgasm pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it kind of looks like that. It's ridiculous. And so these rhino do the same thing and oh it's the cutest gosh. thing. And you get them wow. and they, they just collapse on their side and they got their, their legs up and I'm literally like oh giving them belly rub. So I would for me, that was, that. yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I also do it for personal reasons because I just love it. And it, it's so rewarding too. I mean, to go out there, help these animals, know that you're making a difference. I mean, the last rhino we trimmed, and I just actually posted about this yesterday on, uh, Instagram. On Instagram and Facebook. And we were, we had a, it was a mama rhino, and she had a roughly two-month-old calf. Too young to sedate, but big enough to be potentially dangerous for us while how, we're trimming. How big are the calves when they're This born, thing like was the, as tall as like um, a medium to large-sized dog. It was like a, like a short lab, wow. Wow. but much thicker. I mean, it was, right. it was like, you know, weighed over 100 pounds, but it was um, solid. not That's super tall, just yeah, a little solid, tank. Solid. Like, almost like a, a French bulldog, tank. but yeah. just bigger, but the same proportions, if that makes gotcha. sense, oh, wow. in a way, yeah. you know? Um, and, but yeah, dude, if he like run, rams into us, he could break our legs, like no doubt. I mean, he's wow. got a little horn bud and that head is heavy and I mean, they're, they're strong. So we had to, um, we could not sedate him and we had to just try to distract him so he wouldn't disrupt our trim but also wouldn't hurt mom or hurt himself or do anything, you know, because of, he was scared and he didn't know what was going on, obviously. Um, anyways, what, uh, what I'm getting at is, this was a rhino we trimmed a year and a half, two years prior. 
And so doing that potentially saved her life. Wow. She's oh, contributed baby. to the population. She has a baby. Yes. Wow. And now we're protecting her and her baby again. That so that's amazing. Oh, I mean, it's like full it's, circle. It's yeah, full, exactly. absolutely. It's got that nice. full circle feel. And it's, um, that was the last trim of the day. The sun was setting. We were seeing them walk out. Like once we, 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 we give them uh, medications to sedate them, right? Right. And then we reverse that sedation so they wake up uh, pretty quickly. And they can go about their day and even oh, have amazing. enough whereabouts to protect themselves and if need be. And they usually wake up and start eating and walk away. And they look like normal rhino that weren't on, you know, heavy, uh, serious drugs. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that was the end of the day. They walk off into the distance and they're eating and being happy. And it's, I mean, it makes me emotional just thinking about it. It's so special to see that because, you know, you know, you're, you're, you might be responsible for this rhino keeping its absolutely, life and contributing. Yeah, so absolutely, it's, 110%. It's really special. Yeah. That's amazing. So what is your favorite animal? Oh, man. You know, I get asked that. Out here in this world. <laughs> I get asked that, you know, a lot, obviously, with the work that I do. And it's so hard to put, to just say one animal. I mean, to, part of what I love about the natural world is that every animal has, like every wild animal has some unique adaptation that makes it special and unique and equipped to survive as effectively as, as God and nature has made it for, for them to do so in the wild. Absolutely. You know, and so I, I love, there's something to love about every animal. I mean, I'll tell you what initially got my interest in wildlife, and we were talking about this a little bit ago, was mm -hmm. uh, reptiles. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, as a kid, man, I was obsessed with dinosaurs, and, like, I knew crocodile, crocodilians were, like, modern-day dinosaurs, and I just, I still, to this day, they're amongst my favorite, favorite animals. I love them. I think they're beautiful. They're just so gnarly-looking. They're, they're so fascinating. They're intelligent. They're, they're just unbelievable. I mean, they're one of the few, if only, reptiles that look after their young, which oh, is, wow. is very unique as a reptile. I did not but, know that. And then we were chatting about snakes, too. Sure were. Big snake yeah. fan. Sure were. Big snakes. So, like, I love working with snakes. I love, uh, you know, the big snakes, the big pythons and whatnot. But honestly, my favorites are the, the venomous. And so I venomous love... Venomous snakes? Love venomous snakes. How have you handled venomous snakes? I've handled many. I mean, it just depends on the individual. Like a coral snake, which is highly has a highly deadly venom, is a pretty mellow animal, even the wild ones. So I'm not condoning this or recommending it, but those guys, you can just kind of pick them up by their tail and they're pretty mellow and they're cool. Whereas if I'm working with like, um, say I'm working with uh, uh, like a really warm like a day. black mama. Oh yeah, I mean, they're super aggressive. I've actually never laid hands on a black mamba yet, but uh, even, a, even a rattlesnake, you know, a on a hot day, if you've got to relocate one, for example, man, they strike fast. I mean, they're ambush predators. They're meant to have those lightning fast strikes. And so they can be quite a handful. Um, I worked with some uh, Australian venomous snakes. So I was uh, working with a, a northern uh, copperhead. And uh, oh, one of my favorites was a, a kangaroo island uh, tiger snake. And these things are jet black. They're just beautiful. Wow. I found it on the road. And it was a cool night, so it was mellow. But yeah, I mean, usually it's with a hook. You know, you, and it's, right. it's, uh, if I'm working with them for medical reasons, I, I'll, I'll use a hook if I have to. Sometimes if I have more supplies with me, what, what we'll do is we'll put them in a tube. Like, imagine like, um, I'm trying to think what, uh, like, a, like a paper towel. So uh -huh. You know what paper towels are on that cardboard? We have acrylic versions of that, basically, of different size diameters, different you know, so you can put widths. Them inside of so what you do is you, you basically um, get that over their head or, or bake it, make it so they kind of go into this tube. And then you grab their body when their head's in so that it's, it's a certain width where they can fit in, but it's not wide enough where they can turn around in it. Oh, wow. And so it's also a length where they can't come around the other end. So what you do is mm. the side that their head went into, you grab their body and the tube and make it so they can't back out, they can't go forward, and now you're, you're, you're pretty safe, you know, as long how, as somebody's got a good hand. How long does that process take to, to actually do it? Depends on the animal. There's times where I've gotten it pretty quick. 
where you just get lucky, you get the tube where you need where it needs to be, you grab the snake and you're good to go. And there's other times where the snake does not want anything to do with that tube and you've got to lure it into like a, a, a pillowcase or something and in the bottom end corner you have a hole cut out where the tube is. I mean, you, you sometimes have to get creative. But uh, yeah, so it just depends on the individual and, and uh, its temperament. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. To be able to handle all those animals and like know what to do with every animal is like... I, I mean, not, I, it's yeah, tough amazing. to say I know what to do with every animal, but you know, it, we, I learned from a lot of great vets and I work with around the world. I mean, that's what makes, I think, what I do personally a little bit unique and different is that I feel like I know a little bit about a lot. When I go to Africa, I'm working with vets that know more about African wildlife than me, and I learn from them. And sometimes I can teach them things and extrapolate from the, the other animals I work with and they don't work with because you don't, you don't, you don't see opossums or bears and right, you know, Africa. Exactly. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot as I go as well. And so I've, because I've worked in so many different places, I've worked in Africa, Southeast Asia, Australia, Central South America, I've got like a wide berth of knowledge and I know a little bit of how to work with so many different animals. That's dope. That's, I, do you ever think about being a vet, Zach? I up. did, I did, and then I got a couple of pets that didn't behave well, and I was just <laughs> thinking in my head, like, I could he barely... He wants to pick his pet's personality. That's oh, his yeah, issue. no, I, I can't, I, we have a dog now, and, and I can't train her for Lord knows what. She's just hard, <laughs> she's hard-headed, she's stubborn, she's a French bulldog, and I love her to death, They can be stubborn. Man, are they I mean, they're stubborn. smart, too, though. They're smart, they're smart. they know so what she's doing. it's all about doing. creating those associations, and, like, positive reinforcement training goes a long way, and by, I mean... It's rare to find an animal that won't in some way respond to that. You just have to find the positive thing that they find to be a reward, whether it's uh, playing fetch or certain, uh, whether it's cuddling. And for many animals, it's food, yeah. a food reward. And so when they have, you know, perform a desired behavior, you reward them within two seconds. It's got to be within two seconds, but then they create that association like, hey, I did this and then I got that. Mm -hmm. I want to do this again. And when you say sit or pee pee outside or jump here or do whatever, I'm going to do it because I, I've been getting rewarded for it. So they can learn very quickly. Um, but it has to be like immediate within those two seconds. Yeah, like a lot of people like, you know, animals, they, they, they pee in the house, for example, and you come home and you find a, a, a piece of, you know, a dog shit sitting in your living room uh -huh. and some people put their dog's faces in it and it's been hours and all, you're clearly upset. The dog can pick up on that and you're doing something that's confusing the animal. They have no idea what you're upset about. They just know it's scary and now they have a complex about going to the bathroom in general. Like it, it, it has to be within that two seconds for the association to be made. If it's done a lot later, you're just confusing them and making everything more difficult and creating more fear and stress and you know, complicating behavior overall. Great so like within the, within the time frame of when it happened. Exactly. So, so what do you do if something like that was to happen, but it's been time past? You just wait until you lost the your next chance. situation? Yeah, exactly. It. You clean it up and just try to be as neutral about whatever it is. Like if, for example, if my dog does that, I, I'll often just put him in another room and let him relax there. I'll hang out with him for a second, get him settled there, and then I'll go pick it up and just get, you know, discard it, clean it, and do all that stuff. I don't want him to think one thing or another because he's not going to learn from me picking up something he put on the living room floor than he did an hour or two ago. You know right, what I mean? Right, exactly. That makes sense. That makes so much now sense. That, yeah, that makes so much sense. Because yeah. I remember one time I was gone in Alabama in our other house, and... I came back home in my brand new shoes that I haven't worn, expensive shoes. My dog ate them up. And I'm Ooh. like, how did she even get in my room? Right. Like, I'm like, how did she get from all the way downstairs? She like jumped over her, um, like where we had her area at, mm -hmm. jumped over the area. I didn't even know if she could jump that high, to <laughs> be honest. And then next thing you know, like there's toilet paper everywhere. And I'm like, what in Was the hell? Was this a bulldog Just, too? 
I'm sorry. There's a bulldog as well. Yeah, there's a French bulldog. And I was like, what in the hell just happened? You know? And it's like, I love her, but she's, her personality is not of a French bulldog. She's definitely like, um, I would say more like a chihuahua personality. Really? Yeah, she's like, she's not chill. She's just active, very, very Very active, very hyper. Um, always wants like to a, play. Yeah. She's definitely like, Jumpy. you know, you would think of French Bulldogs as chiller dogs and they then do they get tired yeah, yeah, when they, they walk. Yeah, yeah. She has no uh, ounce of tiredness in her she? at all. She's about three now. Okay. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah. She might mellow a little bit, but yeah. She, I, I feel like she mellowed out when she had her first um, pregnancy, her first mm. litter. Yeah, she mellowed out then and she like, it surprised me because she was so motherly and I was like, I did not expect this from you Wednesday. Like, you know, right. she's, She's an active dog, and yeah, she she's was more just, like a Jack yeah, Russell was, or something. Yeah, huh? it was like her whole personality changed. It was like instinct mother. I'm a oh, mother now. That's good. You know, and um, um, I I feel bad for her right now because like every time she comes in, where we used to keep the puppies, she goes in there and looks for the puppies. So I'm like, oh, now I feel like I need to get a puppy. So oh she no, can, yeah, because yeah, now I feel. How like, long ago did she have the puppies? Um, about five months ago. Okay, and she's yeah. still doing that behavior. She, I want to say she probably stopped maybe like a couple weeks ago. I feel okay. like. Okay. I mean, because she'll get, she'll, she'll move on eventually. Like it is, it's a thing for them. It's emotional. I mean, they're a mom, you know, right. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the exact same as being a human mother, but you know, they have that maternal instinct. So I get it. But you know, most those animals, they do, you know, they'll move on. They've got other things to love and other things to distract them and it's going to be okay. You know? And yeah. Outside of a dog, do you have any other animals? I do. Yeah, I've got two cats. I've got a... a what kind of cat? Uh, they're both rescues. One of them is like pretty much a Russian blue. Uh-huh. Wow. They're like a gray cat. I don't know if you've seen those. And then the other one, we call it's called a domestic short hair, which is like a big, broad uh, classification of, of a cat breed. It's like most of the ones you see in rescues. I mean, they can be black and white. Mine's ginger colored, like ginger. Uh-huh. He like, we call him a ginger tiger. He's got like little ginger, ginger stripes. He's like an it. orange kind of cat. Um, and then I've got a, a sulcata tortoise in the backyard, and so oh, she lives wow. there full How time and loves it. She's like 25 pounds, and probably like from her shell is probably push about a foot long almost. Oh wow! And she'll get a little bigger. They get pretty big, and there's actually species I don't recommend for pets. They get so big, they can be really destructive on people's property. So unless wow. you have the space and you can, you know, have them out outdoors pretty much year round. Like, I mean, they're a handful. So like, I'm happy with ours and it's cool, it's good, but like, it's, it's, uh, it's not what I'd recommend. There's so many other tortoises that make great pets if that's what you're onto and, and don't, uh, aren't that imposing. I mean, they, they can walk through sliding glass doors and drywall, they'll dig up wow. your foundation of your house. They'll move swing sets and patio furniture and knock over plants. Like, wow. they're little bo- bulldozers. I mean, wow. they're remarkably strong and remarkably stubborn. I mean, that can be, uh, from the vet side, that can be one of the most challenging animals to work with. When they want to tuck in their shell, you, you, you just have to wait until they're out. Unless oh, wow. you can get like an injection in and get like an IM, an intramuscular injection. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> they're really tough. How long is the longest you've waited for it to come out of the shell? I mean, there was a patient where it took like two and a half, three hours. Because I, I, you have to be careful with dosing and these guys... It's not black and white with their dosing. Not any animal is black and white, but with most dogs at a certain weight, I can give them a certain volume of medication and I'm pretty confident at the level of anesthesia or sedation that I'm gonna get them to, you know? With some of these reptiles, it can be really quite vastly different from one individual to the next, even in the same species. Wow. And so they have this one male, oh my God, this guy was like 80 pounds. 
he had a big abscess I needed to address and flush and clean and, and, and Ooh, do some surgery on. Wow. And, um, oh man, I mean, it took like two and a half hours. I was there till like 10 o'clock wow. that night just trying to get this guy down. Wow. And I had to keep upping the dose because he had such a high tolerance. And so it was, uh, that's yeah, crazy. sometimes that stuff happens. It was, I've got the, that, that, I've got a, a mangrove snake, which is a beautiful, uh, wow. I might have a picture of that in here. It's, they're native to, to uh, Southeast Asia and they're these big, um, colubrids, they're, they're, they have a, technically they're mildly venomous, but I've been bit by her a couple times and it didn't do anything to me. I think just if you had an allergic reaction, no, not in this. Um, she's beautiful, like seven feet long. And then uh, wow. a couple of fish tanks, there's freshwater fish tanks. I love like little planted tanks. I'm a little nerd like that too. So I love yeah, it. that's enough for me. Like I'm good. I'm busy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, we have two, I was telling you earlier, right. we have two F1 savannas, two boys because the breeder that we got the F1s from, she said that they usually like to be in pairs so they can occupy each other's time. Mm -hmm. And they got to the point where initially we had them inside of the house and they just was jumping like six, seven feet in the air. Oh, and yeah. we, we wouldn't be able to get them down and they're just there, you know, like on our ledges on top of like above the fridges and yeah. like we couldn't get them down. Oh, they're impressive and, animals. I mean, they're oh half serval. Yes, I mean, yeah. you've seen very a in the wild. Yeah, oh, very that's stunning. beautiful. And I know the mother was, was I think, I believe it was the father that was a serval. Um, okay. The owner, the breeder that we had got the two uh, F1s from, she said that when she passes away, the serval won't accept food from anyone else besides mm. her, even mm. her husband, mm. because she said when she passes away, she has to put the serval down because she, the serval won't eat out of anyone besides her. She said that their loyalty oh, wow. is to only one person. And I was, that was the question that I was going to ask you. Is that is that factual, where their loyalty is to only one person? I mean, it depends on the individual. I mean, it, it, and this goes from any, any species potentially can be the case. You know, I mean, I, I've seen that with different parrots. I've seen that with different wow. dogs, seen that with cats. I mean, it's possible. I mean, that's a pretty aggressive move to assume that that has to happen i might give it a minute right, and see how and things go if, yeah, if, right. if it comes to that point right because that's that's the ultimate decision right over something that might not have to happen but uh, yeah I, I mean listen i've never had a case like that where i've had to put an animal down because it hated everybody else in the house right. and then you know? she said that she's I'm not saying it's impossible but <laughs> feed the um serval but he didn't eat for like three days. Here's the thing like, with a lot of pets like that. That's so crazy. Um, so I, as a veterinarian, I, I do see patients like that, you know, uh, all the time. And an animal comes in, it's super attached to one person. It hates everybody else. It hates being at the hospital. It hates me. It hates everything. And we haven't even done anything bad to, or, you know, right. stressful or scary or whatever. Then it doesn't understand what's happening. You know, obviously we have to do stuff. But like, it's really different when that individual is not present. Okay, so like when I have dogs like this, for example, I walk into a room, I can see it. The dog's baring its teeth, it's like hiding or whatever it's doing. It clearly is not thrilled with my presence. It clearly is probably not a good idea for me to approach it, try to grab it or work Absolutely. with it, right? And so what I do is I, I have the owner put a leash on it and hand me the leash and walk to the door uh, of the room with me and I leave and I take it to the back. Mom's in the room, mom or dad is in the room and I'm in the back with the pet. When the pet doesn't have that person with them, they're completely different uh, personality towards me now i'm the only person it knows and trusts wow and so now it only wants to be by me and it's looking at everybody else like i don't know you i don't know you i don't know you like i kind of know you and you've been okay so far so i'm i'm just gonna chill and so, so as long as the person oh. the owner comes with you initially and then it's like okay it's like a transitional thing. it's not yeah it's like it's it's not about necessarily them coming and doing that it's really just like 
when I take it, the, when I separate the pet from the owner, it's a completely different animal. And so I'm getting yeah. at is, yeah, maybe that's the case with this husband and this, and this uh, serval. But if mom's not there, not present, not in the room, not anywhere, and nowhere to be seen, and this is the only other guy that the serval knows and trusts, things might change. Right. Its perspective might change. Absolutely, I agree you know, with so that I would, too. So I would venture that before just saying, oh, we, he's got to go. Yeah, I was like, you know? that's a little bit harsh. And, yeah. you know, they're beautiful Super animals. Harsh. Yeah, beautiful no, they are. Beautiful animals. And they I, are. you know, I, I wouldn't be able to control just the, a serval. It's just too big for me, but I love it. Well, it's a wild animal. I mean, it really, it's... It, it's I I wouldn't recommend a full a serval yeah, as a pet. I, you know, some savanna not. cats can be a handful, but uh, a serval full on. I mean, most most wild animals for the most part just don't make good pets. Yeah, you even know, some do serval, better than others in I captivity. Mean, our, our, yeah, absolutely. Even with our F ones, like they've become so big to the point that you know um, they'll come and eat and stuff like that. But like they'll come get petted and all that. They're they're fine with other people, but it's just to actually get them to listen impossible. Oh, yeah. Impossible. I mean, like, cats are like that anyways, right? I mean, yeah. you, you can train cats, yeah. don't get me wrong. They're totally smart and they're totally trainable, but it's not as straightforward as a dog that wants to please, you know? Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely different. Let's talk about scuba diving. Let's I know do. you're a yes. scuba diver. Where's your favorite place to scuba dive? I mean, I showed you that picture of me and that tiger shark. Where was that? So at? I got a whole chapter on that. That was in the Bahamas. That was an area called Tiger Beach near Bimini. And these tiger sharks are somewhat, they're not, I mean, they're wild sharks, don't get me wrong, but they're, 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 they've been around divers before, so they're somewhat habituated. And we go down, we put a bait crate at the bottom, you know, at the, at the bottom on the sandbar, and um, we don't feed. Like, I don't, I don't, I've just never seen that be a great idea, and it's so unnecessary. You just don't have to if you want to learn right. sharks. And it makes, I mean, feeding wildlife in general, we can talk about that, and there, there's, a, there's, you know, that, that, that's, that's a whole topic in its own, but... We just have that, and so just the smell brings them in. And these sharks are so bold, and they're so not shy. I mean, they, they swim. They swim right up to you. They're just going in circles, and we would have anywhere was up to seven or eight different tiger sharks, let alone oh dozens of lemon sharks, a few nurse sharks, uh, dozens of, uh, of uh, yeah, we had black tip reef sharks there. And, um, oh, my gosh, I mean, they come right up to you. Like, you actually need to, like, redirect them. Like, they're going straight to your face. Oh, my gosh. And so you just put a hand up gently and just redirect them and they just swim next to you and so i was like a oh, i was wow. like a like a traffic cop almost wow. just like waiting for these tigers oh, and, and my, my head's goodness. on a swivel because they do it in this way where they i think it plays into how they feed but they they do it where they're not all coming at once they kind of cycle and come in and one comes in Big and the turn. other one leaves and then another one comes in and so like it's just oh, like man, constant you're just looking both ways and if one unless one is within a couple feet of my face and he's approaching me, and they're going at a pretty mellow speed. He's not coming fast. Right. Um, I'm looking around, just making sure I'm not missing one. Because the first dive I did, I went down, and uh, I, my head was not on enough of a swivel. And the, the guy I was with, uh, a, good, a good buddy, then unfortunately he's not with us anymore, Mike, RIP, man. Um, he, he was right. uh, with me. It was just the two of us. And thank goodness he was there, because this big, big tiger shark was directly behind me and took an interest in my BCD. So the shiny reflective material, uh -huh. some fish scales do that too, right? And so uh -huh, it kind of exactly. draws them in. And um, as I'm going down, I'm looking around and I'm just kind of seeing what's in front of me and to the sides, not directly behind me. And all of a sudden Mike is facing me. I see his arm come right past my head. Well, sorry, I'm not gonna fall over on you. Um, and I'm like, oh shit, you know? And I'm like, something, you know, what's going on? I turn my head over and I see this big tiger shark mouth like right behind oh, my head. I'm my like, God. okay, like I learned right then and there head on a swivel like don't spend more than two seconds in the looking in the same direction because you don't know what's behind you because oh you have all these sharks gosh. and they're coming in at different times 
Um, anyway, so, and it doesn't scare them when your head's turning so fast. No, 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 no. Because I know no, it's no, like no. a movement thing too. Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, we, I've, I've deflated my, uh, my, uh, my, you know, I'm like, I'm just, I, we, we go down, we, we descend, and I take my fins off and just sit on my knees on the sandbar. It's not like a, wow, like a coral fun. dive where you yeah. want to move and scope everything out. Like this, I just want to stay in one spot. I want to sit myself next to that bait box and just immerse with these sharks. Oh, that's like that's so just cool. it. Um, and What's, how's the furthest you've gone down? What's the deepest? I mean, in that setting, you know, the sand, uh, 30, 35 feet, like 10 meters, oh, like not, not super bad. deep. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've been 30, 30 plus meters, but like on those dives, like you, I mean, we had, uh, we were free diving or, uh, you know, yeah, we were just free diving, like just, yeah. you know, dropping so in with a snorkel. You pretty, pretty long. Not as good as those guys, man. I mean, they can do literally, literally like four minutes, five minutes. What? Wow. And they're moving and they're swimming and wow. they're burning oh oxygen. I mean, it's such a mental. They must have been fish in their past life. I believe that. I mean, it's really, it's such a mental thing because yeah, when is. you deprive yourself of oxygen for somebody that doesn't hold their breath, within a minute, your body is telling you, oh, yeah. raging inside saying, breathe, get air, like now, like it's freaking out and it doesn't actually have to happen. It's, and it's, it's, a, it's an evolutionary adaptation we have that, that helps us in times of need if we're not in right consciousness or you know, whatever and we need to start breathing, it's, it's, it's protective to keep us alive, but it also inhibits us from holding our breath. So you have to overcome that barrier. And just, I mean, just like, okay, you dive. Thing, yes. When you first did your closed water dives, and I you put in out. that rig <laughs> and you take a breath when you're submerged underwater. How weird did that feel? Oh, very weird. Right? It very, was like, this weird. is so foreign. So same yes, kind of thing. You, it's a mind thing you have to overcome. This one's a little harder, I think, with the breath holding. Yeah. But it's totally doable. I mean, there's the, the record, I think, is, I think it's pushing 20 minutes. I think what? people can do like 15, 16 minutes. Some of the like oh, pro free divers. Yeah, I mean, your body can live without new incoming oxygen for, for a period of time. And you'll be wow. fine. No brain damage, no nothing. I mean, if you, you have to know what you're doing, wow. but uh, it's possible. Yeah, but I, I just have a, a my, my issue is the pressure, like going down, yeah. descending with the pressure. Like I have to take my time. Deontay's not like me. He's down there. He's like, hurry up. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? I take Sudafed before every dive. I've had yeah. one bad experience. One of my first dives in Australia, I, um, I forced it. I pushed it. And I knew I felt pressure building up. And I just like was like, God, my, all my teams, like everybody I'm with is down. Like my instructor's waiting on me. I've got this pressure. I'm having a hard time clearing it. I just like fought through it. And I think it was a bad choice because I heard something pop internally uh, towards the left side, left ear. Oh. And then I spit up some blood and I'm like, I don't know what happened, but that's bad. My eardrum wasn't ruptured like my tympanum. It was apparently intact. I could hear fine, but something inside my middle ear or something ruptured. And um, oh, wow. From then on, I have like a complex. I just, I just take Sudafed. I'm just like, I'm not messing with it. I'm better yeah. clearing my ears than I was then. This was early on. Yeah. This is when I was 21, you know, 15 years ago. But it's, uh, it's not fun when that happens. Yeah, it's not fun at all. And it's like you can't panic because you're underwater. And you know, you panic. You're losing oxygen. It's, it's, it's just a lot going on. So you have to be mentally clear when you dive. You do. Yeah. Oh, you do. And you have to think about, I mean, just like anything, driving, like whatever, you have to think about what are all the different worst possible scenarios that could happen? What are all those different things? And how can I mitigate a situation like that if it comes to that? So Absolutely. you're not like, holy shit, what do I do? Yeah, and like, it's funner than feeling. a lot of people think. Like, you, I thought initially I was going to go down there and like hold Deontay's hand and like, you know, explore with him. I left his ass and I just went diving by you. myself. And he's like, 
hey, where are you going? I was just, I felt like Ariel down there. You know, yeah, you're just right? like exploring and it's, you're the foreigner in their world and they're just swimming and they're more scared of you than you are of them. Oh, I mean, that goes with, I mean, it's so rare for any wildlife, including marine life, to look at you as a threat and like they want to attack. If you're in the open ocean, I mean, if they are scared, they'll just go away or they'll hide. Right. Like you've got really nothing to worry about. I mean, I, I mean, with shark attacks and all that stuff, statistically, you're so much more likely to die or get bit. I mean, this is a stat I love. I don't love. It's actually very sad. But just to make the point about sharks, there are far more people get bit by another person in New York City oh, wow. alone <laughs> than sharks bite people around the entire world wow. every year. Yeah. In New York wow. City yeah. alone. Hold on. Like you dogs, got in New York. domesticated dogs kill wow. like Jeez. 20 to 30 times the amount of people sharks do every year. Domesticated dogs. That's crazy. You know, I mean, it's so uncommon. That's what people are so afraid of. But that's so cool. I mean, what you said, and, and I see that a lot with people when they're a little hesitant or timid, and I, especially with women. I see women, really? they take to diving so well, and they're, they're really, they're, they're really, they're built for it. We're getting made some faces over here. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, they're, uh, yeah, I mean, they just, they don't, the way they can uh, conserve oxygen and their, their lung capacity relative to their body size, relative to their metabolic and oxygen needs, yeah. they tend to do better in my experience. Yeah. When I've dealt with yeah, females we don't need that were beginners. Much oxygen when you bring, yeah, I was telling Deontay, he's always like, you know, buy me because his tank runs out faster than me. I mean, look at me. Deontay. <laughs> I mean, he's, a, you know, he's just a big lean body mass. I mean, that guy has got a, a fast metabolism. He requires a lot of oxygen to keep that engine running. Exactly. And so it's, it's I mean, there's, he can only go so long, even if he right. is experienced and good with his breathing. But it's um it's a challenge when you when you're you know in that kind of shape. Absolutely, it's like the first initial. Once you learn how to descend properly and you can pressurize your ears, everything else is smooth sailing. Once oh, you're down there, it's like all right, I'm down yeah. here now. I'm good. Especially if there's no current, and smell of water, yes. and it's warm yes. water. It's oh like comfortable. My gosh. And it's it just gets like warmer you don't as leave. you go down. Yeah. Yes. Oh hey, my Zach, yeah. you got you gotta learn. Yeah, no, I'm no, glad. You don't, um, man. It sounds like it's right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> I know it definitely is. I grew up a little bit in Hawaii, but the only thing is, right is like that pop into the ears thing. So I'm glad you mentioned that you could take. Sudafin makes a big Sudafin. difference, man. It really clears your sinuses and it makes it it's so much easier to, to clear your ears and do all that. And it's just like the same feeling when you're in an elevator or driving up a mountain or down or whatever. You feel your ears popping. You still can popping, do it yourself. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. It's just. In a much shorter distance because of the density of water compared to air, obviously, but and it happens quick too. You so don't. So Sudafin yeah, it, helps. Oh, you literally like, hear like. Yeah. Okay, so it's just. And you're it's, literally like. You feel it. Clearing your, your ears you're like, as you're you go down. Your jaw and doing and things yeah. to help it. So and you gotta think too. Your nose is covered from your mask. From your mask. Yeah, it's all in your mouth. So you have to breathe through your mouth with your um, regulator, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, yeah, have I, you, I mean, have, we. Have you we, tried Sudafin? No, I haven't. I, this is, I'm gonna I just try have it next everywhere time. I travel, it's just on hand because yeah, a lot of places absolutely. I go, it's in the tropical belt, and there's like a lot of my favorite wildlife lives in places where there's great coasts and great ocean and diving. I love um, diving. With Deontay, so I wonder relaxing. if he's like something that's unique to him too, is that he's got remarkable cardio. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, I mean yeah. that, that guy can he can go to for days. You know, just being able to hang in the ring like that. So I wonder if actually, even though he's in that ridiculous shape and he's got all his lean, you know, body mass and everything, I wonder if he still can figure out a way to kind of like conserve and conserve and it makes it easier. Yeah. I don't know. I could see that going either way. Yeah, but just we, like occurred to that's me. That's something we're going to have to work on definitely because we'll dive and it'll be like 20, 25, 30 max and that's pushing it. And I'm like, I just want to stay. Minutes or like, meters? 
minutes. minutes. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, his tank is That's out quick. That's super short. Yeah, his tank is out Damn. quick. Damn. How many dives has he done? Um, We've done about like maybe 10 or 11. Okay, he'll take. get better. We're still new. Yeah. He'll get better. He'll get better. It gets yeah. better. Like once you, yeah, even in the next 10 or 20 that you do, uh, you'll see improvement. Like I was I like that too. I want to go lower too. So of course. Yeah. I, Are I you just, open water or what cert do you have? Um, We have open water patty. Nice. That's yeah. a, I got my open water patty and then SSI, I got my, uh, what's it's called adventure diver and it's three out of the six dives that you can do to get, become an advanced diver, which is the next whatever. But I'd wanted to do that to do deeper dives. And so one of my yes. adventure dives was a deep dive and for night dives as well. So I got oh, that. Night dives, dives I'm scared of. No, DMZ, we definitely want to do that. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I prefer day diving to night diving. Okay, because you only, re like it's, it's fun, it's an adventure, it's worth doing. But overall, I like day diving. I mean, you only see what your flashlight shows you. Exactly. You know, you're in you the depths in the this, dark. Like literally. So it's that kind much of an space. adventure yeah. in that way. But I mean, a lot of times you go divers or dive masters. You know, they'll they'll let you, they'll be like, you can shine your light on a fish, and then it disappears because it's like, you just yeah. you pretty much just screwed it over because it's like spotlighted and it lost its night vision. You got a light on it, and then you see a grouper or a shark come and snag it because it's oh. just like a sitting duck. Um, you know, oh. which is I mean, you know, nature's nature, or whatever. But honestly, they're once you do a couple, you're like, I want to go back during the day. Oh, like, yeah. I want to see it all. Absolutely. Know? It's like you want to keep on going because it's so much ocean and it's not enough you to explore the entire ocean. That's just how I feel when I dive. It's like, I want to do it so much. Every time he fights, we try to um, do a vacation afterwards and now we're certified. We're like, all right, find somewhere where we could dive at, you know? Oh, that's so cool. So, yeah, where have you guys it. dove so far? We've gone to Barbuda. We did Bahamas. We did... Um, Shoot, um, now I'm going blank. Um, Jamaica. How was that? It was cool. It was, it was, it Did was. you see anything cool or what was? We, you know what, we went on a shark dive in Barbuda, Antigua and Barbuda, and we didn't see any sharks, but we saw a lot of stingrays. That's cool. And I'm like, I haven't seen, we haven't dove and saw a shark. So that's kind of oh, like okay. what I want to see next. Does he want to see that too? Yeah. Good. Yeah, good, he good, wants to good, see good. it. And, you know, like the, the diver that we went to, uh, the, the diver that taught us how to dive, he, like, all his life lived on a ship. So he's just oh, like, wow. he's just a fish. oh, look, yeah, he's literally a fish. He's like, oh, look over here. And we're like, okay, we see it. You know, like, <laughs> we're good over here. That's you know? hilarious. And it's like, he's just like right there, like petting it and everything. I'm like, how is he doing this and not scared? You know? And oh, like, that's cool. Yeah, he's literally a fish. That's good. That's, I mean, it's good to get exposed to somebody through with those eyes, be, uh, not just because he sees everything, but I mean, like, his um, his perspective, like, because that's going to get you guys to not be shy yeah. and be, like, comfortable with everything Absolutely. when you're with somebody like that. That's, that, he's uh, that's an good. observer. He's always, like, above me to the side of me watching everything that's going on. And I'm like, well, I just want to go see whatever's out here because, like, it's just so amazing to see things that you've never seen before you know oh, it's and another it's like world right a whole literally aerial and it's so literally. peaceful under there like yes. all your you're seeing you're hearing and other things are a little deprived you're just focused even your vision yes. is limited and it's you like just, you like, feel like you're meditating zach literally. it is like half meditating but you're in the ocean with all the wildlife to the, to the point where i want to get to the point where um you start hallucinating what is that 120 Feet, uh, like if you're like getting that, that yeah movie. that yeah the 40 was 47, 47 meters, meters? yeah Oof. Or like yeah, that's like 160 feet or something. 160, yeah. Or 170. Jeez. Yeah, that's and it's, deep. it's yeah. deep. It's deep. Yeah. It's deep. 
But I'm, I'm kind of scared to go that far. <laughs> I mean, it's not you're hallucinating because you get narked. Like yeah, you're getting too much yeah, nitrogen. That's, yeah. That's pretty dangerous. Like yeah, be careful if, you're, yeah, if that's I'm your like, goal. I've never heard that. Well, I don't think it's my goal. I think I just want to experience how they feel underwater and what they explore when their mentality is not all the way there. So my best buddy Tim, and I—he's in a couple chapters of the book too. And we've been—we've been—he's been like my tightest homie for twenty-something years. We've done a bit of traveling. Anyways, he's a big guy, and so he's a little taller than me. He's a little bigger than me. And he's not done a ton of diving, maybe 15 dives, 20 dives, something like that. And man, the last few times we went, he was getting narked every time. Really? And he was just, bre- he wasn't conserving his air. He was breathing too much. He was moving his arms too much. Like he, he's not gotten to the point where he's comfortable. I mean, you get more comfortable and you're, you're probably getting to this point where you like realize that you don't have to move your arms at all. At all. You can at use all. your feet a little bit in your yeah. flippers and then you can use your, your breath and your, your vest and everything to, yeah. to get to the buoyancy and whatever you, wherever you want to be. And he's moving so much. And that Anyways, distracts the fish too, right? Yeah, when you it distracts the fish. It's sloppy. It's it's wasteful of oxygen. Anyways, mm-hmm. he was breathing too much, and man, he was getting narked. And so for him, it just make basically made him feel like shit. Like he just felt like dog shit. He had a horrible headache. He was super lethargic. Like it was not fun. And the last two times we tried to dive day trips where we did like three dives a day. After oh, the first fun. dive, he was just done and just uh, on the boat it, it's exhausting one dive yeah. is exhaust like oh, it yeah. literally takes so much energy and then when you're down there you don't feel like your tank you don't feel your bcd you don't feel all that heaviness you have on shore when you're down there you feel like you're literally no pounds like it's right you're so light well so much of it is your body is 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 elements of your body that you don't control or think about so it's like your smooth muscle which we don't have any control of it's our autonomic nervous system and it's regulating pressure in your body and like just trying to keep everything stable when you have all the like, you know, multiple atmospheres of pressure on top of you. And then uh, thermoregulating too. Like if you're down there, it's a little bit chilly. It doesn't seem like much, but when you've been there for 40 minutes yeah. and you're trying as a mammal, trying to regulate this 98.9 Fahrenheit body temperature, it's, it takes a lot out of your, uh, it takes a lot of energy to maintain that. And so absolutely. you get out and you're just like, I'm always a little tired and like starving, you know, it's yeah, so hungry. It, it, absolutely. Hungry and sleepy right yeah, after a dive. You're totally. like, I'm, and you don't want to eat seafood because you just feel bad for all the fish down there. I know, there, it messes right? with you. I love seafood and I'm like, I can't do it. Not after a dive. Like you just feel bad. It is. It's hard when you see these individuals just being wild individuals and you see their little personality and what they do and how they contribute to the you know, their role in the ecosystem, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely different. So for everyone that comes on the show, we have this or that question. Okay. And they start off very easy. Okay. And they get a little bit harder, a okay. little bit more personal. Uh-oh. Um, you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Zach, you want to ask? You want to switch seats you're and good, ask? You're good. Okay, Go cool. Um, cats or dogs? You said they were easy. <laughs> These are the easy ones. <laughs> That's the first question. I feel like, okay, as a, I just have to back this up really quick. Okay, I think a good cat is like the ultimate pet. I love dogs. I think I'll always have dogs. Like, I'm not dissing dogs. I love right. them both a lot. But a good cat that's like friendly and loyal and personable and cuddly, I mean, they're self-sufficient. You don't have to they let really them outside. You take really them on walks like for like a busy lifestyle, which I live like a cat is such a good pet. And you can have them in small apartments in New York City or L.A., or you can have them in a big house, like whatever. Like exactly. they're just so versatile and so low. Uh, they're just low maintenance. Yeah. yeah, that I can attest to. Like cats, you can just be like, all right, litter box, put out yeah, food. Yeah, they you're groom good. themselves. They yes. take, you just clean the litter box and throw food out there, and then That's they, they take care of the rest. You know. That's it. Yeah, Literally. they're good pets. Pen or pencil? Uh, 
I got into woodworking a year ago, and everything's pencil. Really? Yeah. No. But then other than, but otherwise, like notes in school, all that was pen. So you, you can make a pencil now? No, no, no. no. no I'm sorry. No, no, no. I use, you use I use a pencil. fine tip pencil oh, you use for marking oh, my wood, making okay. my cuts, oh, okay. all that kind of stuff. Got yeah. it, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Clearly, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. No, no, no. People <laughs> so make pencils. You're, you're, you're not wrong. Right I'm like, now. wait, so are you woodworking making pencils? Yeah. I'm like, okay, that was an airhead moment. No, no, no. Um, no. People do that. People like, <laughs> my uncle makes pens. Really? He, he works on a lathe, and so he makes uh, personalized pens out of exotic woods. They're beautiful. So you're, it's wow. not a, it's, it's totally legit. People do it. <laughs> Train or plane? Uh, I mean, I I tend to do more planes. You know, I've have done you some been cool on? Trains. Have you been to Japan? No, I've not. Oh I've, that's gosh. on my list. If you ever go to Japan, you have to get on a bullet train. Yeah, it's so oh, relaxing sure. and so much fun. And I feel like people are asleep on plane, I mean, are sleeping on train experiences because they're so relaxing. Yeah, they're more space. Yeah. yeah they, they, I've, done, I've just, done some of those. I've done some sleepers, and I did a pretty fast train. I think we were like 180 or 200 miles an hour oh, in, wow. uh, from, it was somewhere in Europe. Wow. I can't, it was fast. between countries yeah. or something like that. That's like the bullet like trains that. are like 90. That's pretty Oh, they must be faster trains than that. Trains were the though. first planes. Yeah, I think they're nine. The, the one I've been on was like 90. Okay. Yeah, so oh, This I, one was fast. Yeah, that's super fast. Yeah. That's, Amazing. Football or basketball? Uh, these are, none of these are easy. <laughs> like, okay, like up until, seriously, up until the last dance, like for sure football. And I, I always respect basketball, but like ever since I saw that I'm on this mission or like I'm not on it yet, I need to start this, but like I'm so keen to like really dunk before I die. And like after you, you know the last. Dance, you know, that's you the best about? feeling. The Jordan documentary. Yeah, I know. The, I, the Bulls really, you know. You don't know talk about? I know. What no, you watch the last. Oh my gosh! With, 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 uh, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten parts. It's like one of the most epic docu series, and I'm like, I'm a, fan. it's like nostalgic too. Like when I grew up, Jordan was huge. You know, like right. he was the jam, and he still is the goat, like no doubt. But that made me so much more interested and excited in uh, in basketball. But I I played a lot more football growing up. A football player. I'm gonna be real. Dunking is one of the best feelings I've ever done Dude, in my it looks life. So it is freaking rewarding. Oh, it's so like I just want to throw like a fucking aggressive windmill, <laughs> just straight on windmill, like boom, hard. Like, uh, I'm yes. over here just uh, thinking of the calluses it builds on I want your hands. Yes. Like, you want that? You want it on the, the wrist? Oh yeah, all oh, that. I know what you're talking about. Just it's like glorifying. I hope you get that. I hope you get that. Thank dunk. you, man. Hey, I really I do. That. I really do. <laughs> I love it. Um, where are we at? Cooking or baking? Uh, cooking. I mean, I, I, you know, baked goods are nice. They're, they're fun or whatever, but I'm not, they're not big for me. Not big, yeah. yeah. Um, R&B or rap? Pardon me? R&B or rap? Oh, rap. Who's your favorite rap artist? Man, I, uh, I was Ooh. listening to Vince Staples on the way here. Ooh, Vince Staples. He's one of my, I, I like his, his music a lot. I like, I like ASAP Rocky quite a bit. That's my son's favorite. Yeah, man, like oh, he, some of his songs, like That's just next his level. bars are immaculate. Yes. I know. We might just. I need some help. Like I'm like just. I'm so out and about and have so many other things going on. It's hard for me to keep up with new artists. He's he's really good with new so, artists. So yeah, we need to talk. Like I like somewhat aggressive, but like something rap. Text or call. Uh, I don't know. I probably do more texting to be honest. I love a good phone call. Like I'll, I'll spend hours on the phone with people that are really close to me, but. That's, like that's amazing. General it's communication, nothing better yeah. than a good, heartfelt phone call. Now, some people don't get it. They think it's where I like, talk to somebody for three hours and it flies I love, by. I, I love, love it. Talking. If I had the time yeah. and I can catch up, like it, I'd Absolutely. love those. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Paper or plastic? Um, I mean, these days we kind of got to go paper, I guess. I mean, 
I don't know, plastics are so abused. I love plastic as a material. It is one of the most incredible things that humankind has ever come up with. Unfortunately, we've abused it. Absolutely. And we've uh, created it in a way it's so unsustainable. So it's, it's hard to be, you know, a fan of it sometimes. Agree, definitely. Hot dogs or hamburgers? Uh... A hamburger, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no one's Are you vegan? Uh, no, I'm not, okay. I mean, it's, it's hard too with my travels too. Like when I go to South Africa, I'm in rural South Africa. Oh, yeah. Like they consider chicken a vegetable. Oh, wow. Like, He's I mean, vegan. I'm half kidding, but like, yeah. it's like they're half serious too. Like they eat red meat, pork, or steak, or, or wild game, or you know, it's they the call it the any wildlife yeah, they call venison. Definitely. It's not just deer, but they eat it constantly. Oh, wow. Movies or TV shows? Man, I, like nothing beats a good movie night. Yeah, a good really? movie. A good movie. Yeah. I watch a lot of classics. I mean, I like modern movies too, some of them, but like when you really put on, you know, a good classic or something you grew up watching, whatever, like that's What's special. What's your favorite to me. Classical, classic movie? I mean, well, these days it's probably like my all time favorites are Alien and Aliens, those first two. And then uh, I mean, I'm a huge Arnold fan. Wow. And I love Terminator, Terminator 2, I love Predator. The Terminators, really? Yeah. I love the Terminator. Big fan. I mean, but then I love like. I'm a huge Jack Nicholson fan. Like uh, The actor. Shining and uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Shining like, holy shit, I mean, that guy's a freak. Like, there's some, I love De Niro. Like, Taxi Driver's one of my all-time favorites. Taxi, Taxi Driver. Yeah, oh, that's a classic. Yeah. There's so many good ones. It's, so that's a tough subject. Ones. I like Grease. Grease, right on. Like I'm not Grease. a big musical guy. <laughs> You're not? No, no, I can't, I can't. I, honestly, I'm not either, but for whatever reason, I, li I don't even like musicals like that, to be honest, but I like I mean, the storyline. Grease is very yeah. iconic. Yeah, I love yeah. Grease. Love it. Um, where are we at? Beyonce or Destiny's Child? Mm. I guess it's nostalgia, but like I, I, I love some of the Destiny's Child stuff. Like I don't, I, I love Beyonce too, but some of those Destiny Child like classics. We've gotten like, a lot of classics. Destiny's Child over Beyonce lately. I think it's just, I mean, I'm 36. Like they got big when I was in some of my formative years. Like they're just, they're, it's, there's a nostalgia to it too, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's classic. Action or comedy? Oh, I love them both. I mean, my all-time favorite with movies, I guess, is action. But man, I love a good comedy. Good comedy. I guess action, if I had to pick one. But I, I love comedy. And we were talking about the like different people's taste in comedy too. That's a thing. You oh, know? 100%. Like, he likes Some people his... don't like Will Ferrell. Exactly. And that's crazy oh, to me. I like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe you guys he don't loves like Will him. Ferrell. You guys will get along perfectly yeah. fine. Like, he's his favorite comedy is Napoleon Dynamite. And oh, a dude. I was like, why is that your favorite? Yeah, like comedy? Step Brothers, like, John C. Yes, Riley, like, oh my God. Step Brothers is amazing. Oh yeah. I was like, Napoleon Dynamite to me is like a stupid funny. You know it's what I'm saying? So it's so like, stupid it's and so, so, stupid, but it's so funny. funny. So it's funny. So I'm so good. happy you can say it's so funny. <laughs> oh, it is. It, like, I'm I, so I, happy. You just don't get it if you don't get it. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Definitely, definitely get along. We're going to dunk, we're going to listen to rap, and we're watching Napoleon. I haven't seen that for a minute either. Netflix or YouTube? Uh, like just chilling, entertainment, more Netflix. Love YouTube, Netflix. I've learned a lot from. Yes, I feel like YouTube is definitely similar to like video for Google. Yeah, it's informative. Just oh, like, that's just right. Like you I said. don't, I don't go on to entertain. I go on to learn, and I, you, can, you can learn how to do anything on YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah. Toast or eggs? Mmm. I don't know. I like a good like, like sourdough toast. Pretty yummy. Sourdough. I sourdough. Love sourdough. That's the best type of toast. Right. Next to garlic. Toast. Garlic toast is good, <laughs> for sure. Twitter or IG? Man, I never go on my Twitter. Me either. I should. Me I, I, I'm, I love IG still. I do too. I just like 
taking pictures more than surprisingly talking. <laughs> I talk all day long, but I just love taking a good quality. I mean, picture. what you do is so visual. Absolutely. As well. And same with me. Like, I mean, I can talk about it too, but if I can show you a video, it just or makes a picture, it so much more cooler as a picture. Yeah, it's cooler, it's a bigger impact. You can see it's more relatable. Like, it's, Absolutely. it just I makes agree. more sense. I agree. Do you do Snapchat or uh, um, um, Snapchat for filters? TikTok, I don't do because I don't dance. And okay. like the kids will let the kids will get me to do TikTok, but I'm just I just I'm so awkward when it comes to like out of date choreography and like I want to get into TikTok. Is it still all dancing? Is it still mostly no, dancing? No, no, no. It's you can do like little. I know you can do whatever. Stuff. Yeah, but anything. Yeah, but there. it's like well, the kids, our kids like to dance, so yeah. they try to get me to do these dance and these workout dances, and I'm like, all right, y'all, you can have it, and I'm I'm back on my IG, you know, yeah. like it's yeah. I, I always go back to IG for I whatever feel reason. Old. Always. It's a home play right there, yeah. Instagram. Exactly. It is. <laughs> it's a job, too. Oh. It's, it's some work. I spend now. time it is just work. on my caption, let alone editing oh. the videos. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh my gosh. And then editing, <laughs> don't get me started on the caption. I mean, don't you spend sometimes well over an hour, two hours sometimes? Oh, my you, like, I have ridiculous. to get the right message. I have to make it so it's not offensive, it's informational, it gets a point across, it's the main talking points I want. Like. Yes. It's such yep. a freaking craft. Yes. And it still it takes me a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. I am right there with you. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll be, be like, all right, point. what do you think about this picture? What caption should I post? And I'm like Googling things, Googling lyrics, oh, yeah. Googling catchy phrases. Call a friend. Calling friends. Like, what do you, it is a job. It's a job. And then it's once you feel like you finally have the right caption, you're like, oh, accomplishment. You yeah. know, it's, it's. Right, then it's too late for the post to go out. <laughs> exactly. Then you got to wait the next day. Yeah. No, it's it's, it it's impossible. A job. Uh, we're on Snapchat and TikTok. We passed that. iPhone or Android? I have an iPhone. I feel like everyone has an iPhone. And then, like I said, when when it pops up green, you're like, what are what do you have here? <laughs> it's, it's it's ancient. I know um, it's weird how it's become that way, but it's kind of true. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> like I hate to say, I'm not judging. Like whatever. Like they have good phones too. It's whatever. But that's what I've had for a while. Cake or pie? Mm. Uh, cake, I guess. I, I prefer I prefer cake too. Swimming or tanning? I guess tanning. I don't really go like swim, you know. But I'll, I love I'll to sit out by pools and, then, and have a yeah. drink and chill and like. That's fun too. Yeah. I'll tan and then when I get too hot, I'll pop in the pool and then go tan again. <laughs> it's not really a swim. It's yeah, just it's like not, a thermal yeah. regulation exactly, thing. Exactly. Exactly. But no, that's where day drinking is really fun. It I don't is. do that often at all, but it it's kind of nice. It is. Work hard or play hard? Oh, man. I mean, you can't not work hard. You got to live. You got one life. You got to enjoy it, but you can't not work hard. Absolutely. Agreed. Laundry or dishes? Uh, laundry. All day. Laundry. I don't know why. I hate Dishes are easy. We got dishwashers. Exactly. That shit's easy. Like, why do I want to not do it so much? But I don't. Dirty. It's dirty. It's loud. Feeling. Yeah. I don't like it. Getting your hands wet. Nasty on your hands. All day. Laundry. Gym or bed? Depends, right? Um, (laughs) I've been slacking, man. Like, I was was, over the last COVID stuff, getting into new hobbies, new things. I wasn't as consistent as I usually am. But, I mean, I... I do like to hit the gym. I do like to, to hit weights and stuff. Car or truck? Mm. What? You said this is easy. <laughs> All these are tough. I'm going to cut it short for you. I'm going to give I you about three car. more. I drive a car. Okay. So you would rather a car than a truck? I mean, I drive a car. I love it. I love trucks, like, like pickup trucks. I'd rather a pickup truck than an SUV 
but uh, I drive a car and uh, I love it. I love it. Okay. We're going to get to the tougher questions. Face or body? <laughs> okay. I feel like you can, like for me, <laughs> I just, I don't want to like offend, I don't know. Uh, I feel like you can <laughs> have more wiggle room with the face. Yes. I feel like if the body's not there, that's, for me, that's going to be more of a challenge. Personally, that's just my personal preference. Right. And uh, there's more wiggle room. And if there's, if you're beautiful on the inside and your face is, you know, has some, something nice about it and you got a body on you, like, that's nice. Right, absolutely. Um, smell or taste? Uh, okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what would you prefer? Um, I like good smells, I guess. I don't smell, know. Smell over taste? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I'm going a, I'm to a fast forward all the hard ones and get to the hardest one. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Spit or swallow? It's all on you, my man. I, mean, I tell people all the time when it I'm gets I'm a man. Awkward, like, what? It's all on you, my man. What? Uh, listen. I tell you, people, think You of show food. me one. That's the easiest. That's literally the easiest one you've asked. You, do, do you, <laughs> you introduce me to one I straight uh, or not or, or one man. Sorry, straight, gay, whatever. One man that comes out of his dick. You ask. You find one man, regardless of what he wants to come into, then says spit. Oh, so I, I prefer. I prefer they spit. Like what? Come on. All right, y'all. Literally the easiest one. Thank you so much for coming on. And make sure you guys check out his book, World Wild Vet, Dr. Evan Anton. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all we have for Telly Talks.